Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800 247 3051. 800 247 3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this reminder that to be still and know that you are God. As we just take this little time now, we pray that you would help us to still all the thoughts that would distract us, the cares that would consume us and draw us away from you, Lord, and the deceitfulness of anything that tells us that there's somewhere else that we should be or that we should be thinking about this morning other than the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray in your precious name. Amen. If you turn, please, in your Bibles to Ruth. Ruth will continue in following this wonderful history that God has given to us in Ruth chapter 2, and uh, beginning in verse 5, as we continue here, and uh, where it says, Ruth chapter 2, verse 5. Then said Boaz unto his servant that was set over the reapers, Whose damsel is this? And the servant that was set over the reapers answered and said, It's the Moabitish damsel that came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. And she said, I pray you, let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and hath continued even and from the morning until now that she tarried a little in the house. Then said Boaz unto Ruth, Hearest thou not my daughter? Go not to glean in another field, neither go from hence, but abide here fast by my maidens. Let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap, and go thou after them. Have not I charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? When thou art athirst, go unto the vessels, drink of that which the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground and said unto him, Why have I found grace in thine eyes that thou takest knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger? Boaz answered and said unto her, if hath been fully showed me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband, and how thou hast left thy father and thy mother and the land of thy nativity, and art come unto a people which thou knewest not heretofore. The Lord recompense thy work, and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. Then she said, Let me find favor in thy sight, my Lord, for thou hast comforted me, thou hast spoken friendly unto thine handmaid, though I be not like unto one of thine handmaidens. And Boaz said unto her, At mealtime come thou hither, eat of the bread, dip thy morsel of vinegar. She sat down beside the reapers. He reached her parched corn and did eat and was sufficed and left. And when she was risen up to glean, Boaz commanded his young man, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves and reproach her not, and let fall also some of the handfuls of purpose for her and leave them, that she may glean them. And rebuke her not. So she gleaned in the field until even, and beat out that she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. 
So in our last study, what's happened is that we followed the hearts of these people. We followed the heart of Boaz as he listened intently to this report we just read here that his foreman gave him about Ruth, who to Boaz, he just saw a new person in his field and wanted to know who she was. But we saw Boaz, as he, he took the information about Ruth and he went point by point in his mind and he heard, that's a Moabitish damsel, point one. Then he heard, she's come back with Naomi, point two. And then he heard, she's come out of the country of Moab, point three. And at this point, Boaz hears these words in verse six, and he, he especially, he's fixated on the part, she came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. And so with those words, Boaz has immediately understood that Ruth has made a choice, that when she was in the land of Moab, there was a choice that confronted her, was right in front of her. And when she was in the land of Moab, he's come to understand she has made a decision. And those are the two points that stand out in the mind of Boaz more than anything else. Boaz has has just fixed on the fact that this Moabitish woman has come back with Naomi out of the land of Moab, and so I know that she's made a choice. I know that she's made a decision. And that was all that mattered to Boaz about Ruth. It was the choice. It was the decision. And he's fixated on these two points. And he saw clearly that when she was in the land of Moab, when her husband died, when Ruth's husband died, Ruth was confronted with a choice. She could return to her family. She could return to her people. She could we, she would stay in her land of Moab, or she can go back with Naomi. And she was confronted with this, and Boaz, he feels this choice. He feels this choice that confronted her when her husband died. And Boaz knew that Ruth couldn't be neutral on this. There's no neutrality here. Ruth could not stand still when her husband died. She would either go with Naomi or she'd not go with Naomi. And so Boaz knew that Ruth had to go one way or the other way. She couldn't stand still. She had to choose one of the two ways. So he feels this choice that's confronted her. And the decision that she made, it determined the destiny of her life. See, in seeing the choice that confronted her, Ruth had to make the decision Either she was going to go back with Naomi or she was going to either identify with Naomi or not identify. So Boaz didn't just look at Ruth and say, well, you know, that choice that confronted Ruth, that was something dumb she made and it really doesn't make any difference. Not at all. See, because when he looked at that, he realized this was a life decision. It was going to determine her destiny. Same with us. When we look at the Lord Jesus Christ, we have a life decision to make. We had a life decision to make. Go with him or don't go with him. And each Israelite had to make that decision. That's why Boaz, when he looked at Ruth, he said, well, she was a Moabite, so, you know, of course she has to make that decision. But for me, I'm born an Israelite, I'm born Jewish, so I don't have to make a decision. No, he understood that's not the case at all. Because he remembered, Boaz remembered what Moses said to the Jewish people in Deuteronomy 30, verses 15 and 19, when Moses said, see, speaking on God's behalf, God said, see, I have set before thee this day life and death, life and good, death and evil, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. That was a choice. 
that God had set before the Jewish people, before the Israelites. And Boaz remembered that. Boaz remembered that when the Joshua put that same choice out to the Jewish people as well. He threw down the gauntlet before each individual in Israel. Joshua says in Joshua 24, verse 15, choose you, individual, choose you this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And God told Jeremiah, God told Jeremiah, you tell the Jewish people that each person has to make a choice. So Jeremiah was faithful to that charge. And so he said in Jeremiah 21, 8, when he said, God told me this, unto this people thou shalt say, thus saith the Lord, behold, I set before you the way of life and the way of death. Just that simple, a way of life and a way of death. And Boaz understood this truth and it was expressed, you know, as a poem, it goes like this. To every man, there opens a way and ways, and the high soul treads the highway, and the low soul gropes the low, and in between on the misty flats, the rest drift to and fro. But to every man, there opens a highway and a low, and every man decides the way his soul should go. And that's the way it was for Ruth. And she knew that. And Boaz knew that when her husband died, he knew that the one way to Israel opened up to Ruth. But there were many ways that she could have gone back to Moab. She was actually already there. And Boaz knew that Ruth had decided to take that one highway back to Israel for her soul rather than to go the many low ways back to Moab. He knew it would have been so much easier for Ruth. All she had to do was just go with the crowd. I mean, after all, she was a Moabite, and she had a Moabite sister-in-law, Orpah, who was in the same situation as her. And she could hear Orpah saying, come on, Ruth, come on, let's go back together. Let's go back to where we came from. See, the easy way for Ruth was just to go with Orpah. Ruth, she was already there. She It was easy for her to turn and go with Orpah. I mean, all of her family, all of Ruth's family would have welcomed her with open arms. It was easy for her to go with the crowd. It was easy for her just to drift with the flow. See, for Ruth to go back with Orpah involved really no strong personal decision for Ruth. All she had to do was just follow Orpah's lead. Ruth, all she had to do was just fall into the arms of her family, her Moabite family. All she had to do was listen to Naomi. Her mother-in-law, who was telling her, go back, don't come with me. In Ruth 1.8, Naomi said unto her two daughters-in-law, go, return each of you to your mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you. In other words, get off my back. (laughs) As you've dealt with the dead and with me. So all Ruth had to do to go back to Moab is just listen to everybody. It would have been so much easier for Ruth. All Ruth had to do is just let the wind carry her back like the others. You know, she, all she had to do was just act like some wood shaving and get blown down the road back to Moab. But if she had done that, she would have not have thought for herself. See, all she had to do to go back is don't think for herself. All she had to do was to think that, well, if most, if all the people are going back to Moab, there can't be anything wrong with Moab. Look at all the people there. All she has to do is just make no decision, just float, 
float down the road to Moab. Plenty of company down that road. No troubles down that road. See, when Ruth made her decision to go back to Israel, when she made that decision, she was alone. I mean, apart from Naomi, who was questionable company. But but she was alone, and she had a plenty of problems. And that aloneness was one of the, the biggest problems that she had. Because, I mean, you have Naomi, she's in a state of depression. But we're going to see here is that all of her troubles and that aloneness were only temporary because God rewards those who choose him. And God's about to reward Ruth for choosing him. That's what we're about to see here, the rewards of faithfulness. All those troubles that Ruth had, they were only temporary because God's going to reward her. And so when Boaz hears from his foreman this report, he says, I see a soul. I see a soul that has chosen her way to God's people. I see a soul that has fought her way against the crowd to go to God's people. I see a soul that has resisted the pressure from the crowd. She's fought her way upstream to get to, upstream to get to God. I see that. And Boaz sees a soul who's made a decisive decision. No to her own home. No to her people. No to her country. And yes to God. Is it worth it? All this narrowness, all this straightness, all this aloneness, is it worth it? And the Lord answers that question with the ultimate description of the narrow way and the non-popular way and the way that goes against the crowd and the way that is, it is by this decisive statement when he says, it leads to life. It leadeth to life. That is the straight, is the gate straight? Yes. Is it narrow? Yes. Because it's a straight gate, narrows the way, but it leads to life. It leads to life. It's the only way that leads to life. Is it worth it? Yes, life's worth it. So Ruth, tell me, was it really worth it to go through this straight gate and this narrow way coming back to Israel? And Ruth would say, yes, for one reason, it led to life. Was it worth it? Yes, because the broad way and the wide, the wide gate back to Moab, that led to destruction. But when I took the hard way, the narrow gate, the straight gate and the narrow way, that led to life. And that's our testimony also as believers. Yeah, we went through this way. Why? Because we found life in the Lord Jesus Christ. Worth it. And then the Lord said, how many are there? They really fight their way, really actually fight their way through the straight gate and the narrow way. How many actually do fight against the crowd? How many really do fight against all the popular few? He said, few. Few there be that find it. And Boaz knew that Ruth was one of those few that found life. So in verse 8, Boaz speaks directly to Ruth, and his first words are, Hearest thou not my daughter? Hearest thou not my daughter? What message did that convey to Ruth? I mean, if you're Ruth and you're sitting here, you're hearing that, you go, what does that say to you? First, he says that, is your hearing aid turned on? <laughs> and I want you to hear what I'm going to say here. So it's okay, since you got that message. But by asking her if she's hearing, he's not really asking her if she's hard of hearing. He starts off by saying that. He's really saying to her, I really want you to hear what I'm going to say. I'm really going to say something important to you here. And the most important thing he says to her is just two words, my daughter. Hearest thou not my daughter? My daughter, 
she thinks. My daughter, he's saying, look, some may call you a foreigner. Some may call you a stranger. You may even call yourself a stranger, and you do. But I'm calling you my daughter. See, Ruth was hearing Boaz say what the Lord Jesus Christ said to the crowds in Matthew 12, 47 through 50, when it says, Then said one unto him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren stand without desiring to speak with thee. But he answered and said unto him that told him, Who's my mother? Who are my brethren? He stretches forth his hand toward his disciples and said, Behold, my brother, behold, my brethren, whosoever shall do the will of my Father in heaven, the same's my brother, my sister, my mother. See, those are the words that came to Ruth. She got that message. She was accepted by Boaz. She left Naomi. When she left Naomi, she said to Naomi, I got a promise. I'm promising you, in verse 2, Ruth the Moabite said unto Naomi, let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him in whose sight I shall find grace. And she said unto her, go, my daughter. See, up until this point, the only person who had accepted Ruth was Naomi. And the last words that Ruth heard from Naomi when she left were the words, my daughter. And so Ruth went out into this foreign world with these assuring words. It's all she had in her mind. Naomi called me my daughter. And so she goes out saying to herself, Naomi called me my daughter. Naomi called, it doesn't matter that these people may despise me. It doesn't matter that they hate me because I'm a Moabite. It doesn't matter that they treat me because I'm an unwanted uh, foreigner. Because Naomi accepts me, and she called me my daughter. See, those words, my daughter from Naomi, that meant so much to Ruth. And Naomi calls Ruth my daughter after Ruth had promised her that she was going to go out and glean ears of corn in the field of someone she was going to find grace in his eyes. And the basis for Ruth's confidence was what? It was her confidence in God. It was not an assumption on her part. It was her confidence in God. So as Naomi looks at Ruth, she says, oh, that's beautiful. She's got a fresh, young, zealous confidence in God. She's sure that she's going to find a landowner out there that's going to give her grace because she's sure that God's going to give her grace in that person's eyes. And so Naomi looks at that and says, oh, my daughter. Naomi saying to Ruth, I admire that fresh, vibrant faith in God. I call you my daughter. And she thinks, I used to be like that. God used to be my first love. I used to be just like you, Ruth. I call you my daughter. So Ruth hears these same words from Boaz, my daughter. And when Boaz calls Ruth my daughter, he doesn't know that Naomi has also called her my daughter. Not everyone in Israel was calling Ruth my daughter. But Naomi and Boaz have, they did. And when she hears those two Israelites call her my daughter, she says to herself, now the hope that I told Naomi, which was your people shall be my people, that's been fulfilled. When they call me my daughter, these are my people. And she knows that the people of God are her people, and she's happy. That's why the title to Boaz, uh, for Boaz to Ruth, my daughter, was so meaningful. He calls her my daughter. That represented just an open declaration. Let everybody hear it. Let everybody know it. I am calling Ruth my daughter. I am declaring my open relationship with her. I'm as close as a father and a daughter. I'm as close as a brother and a sister in the Lord. That's what the Lord Jesus Christ does for us.
He looked at his disciples and he openly declares his relationship to them when he said in Luke twenty two twenty eight, ye are they which have continued with me in my temptations. Well, you can picture them looking at each other and you say, who, me? Who, you? <laughs> because they say, who's he talking about? We failed him so much. Uh, Peter is about to die him three times. Continued? In his temptations, he knew the greatest temptation was going to come. In the Garden of Gethsemane, they're going to scatter. It'll be gone. But he says, you continued with me in my temptations. He knows that. He says that. Why? Encouragement. He encourages them. And to encourage us this morning, he looks at us and he says, I know you failed. I know you failed. I'm not holding those failures against you. I'm not holding those failures in front of me. I'm saying, you continued with me in my temptations. Now, the two parts go together. Hearest thou not my daughter? And there's something significant in that. Because Boaz says to Ruth, hearest thou not? And then he says, my daughter. He's not just saying to Ruth, hearest thou not? And left off the my daughter part. Because that would come across as cold, as sterile, as a lord over Ruth. Listen to me what I'm saying to you. He's not saying that. When Boaz says, hearest thou not my daughter, the my daughter part makes all the difference in the world because Ruth would say, now I really want to hear what you have to say because you're talking to me with the love of a father to a daughter. And aren't those the same words that Boaz said to Ruth, the same words the Lord says to us? See, wouldn't it be wonderful if we took our Bibles and we had these words printed on the covers of our Bibles, wouldn't that be great? If, if every time we opened up the, never mind, open if every time we grabbed a Bible and it said these words on the cover, hearest thou not my daughter or my son or my child? Hearest thou not? Wouldn't that be great if it was printed on the covers of our Bible? Because on the covers of our Bible, it would remind us the Bible's not just a cold, sterile book to us. The Bible are the words from my father to me, his child. And with those words on the cover of our Bible, every time we come to the Bible, we would hear Solomon's testimony from Proverbs 4, 3 and 4, where he said, For I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. He taught me also and said unto me, Let thine heart retain my words, keep my commandments, and live. See, for 14 years, I watched my wife homeschool our three boys. She homeschooled our three boys for 14 years. And as I watched that, I thought, boy, homeschooling is the best because no one can teach with such a love like a parent, like a parent teaching her child because every time a mom in homeschool teaches her child, that child knows he is tender and only beloved in the sight of his mother. And so when Boaz says to Ruth, hearest thou not my daughter, it drives this question to us. Did we hear from our Heavenly Father this morning? I mean, that's a question. Did we? If I was to ask you, what did you hear from your Heavenly Father this morning before you came to church? What would you say? Did we leave our morning devotions this morning without hearing from God? Did he say about our time that we spent in the Bible this morning? Did you say, did you hear my, did you hear me, my child? Hearest thou not, my child, when I spoke to you? Every time we open our Bible, we should read these words. Hearest thou not, my child? 
Every time we open our Bible, we should say to God, I am determined to hear you, my father. Now, Ruth is very tuned in to the next words. Because the next words that Boaz says in Ruth in verse 8, Then Boaz said unto Ruth, Hearest thou not, my daughter? Go not to glean another field, neither go from hence, but abide here fast by my maidens. He says, what he's saying is, don't leave. Don't go to another field. Stay here in my field. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Come meet Pam Tebow, Tim Tebow's mom, on Friday, August 4th and Saturday, August 5th at the Educate for Life Homeschool Conference presented by the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Pam Tebow will be speaking on homeschooling her five children, including Tim Tebow, and will worship with the musician and singer Michael Sanchez from The Voice and hear from special speakers Kevin Conover from Educate for Life, Pat Roy, formerly of Jonathan Park, and CEO Tom Cannon, president of the First Creation Museum and Friendship with God Bible radio teacher. Cost for the event is only $15 per day, and enjoy a Chick-fil-A lunch and fellowship with other homeschoolers. So invite your friends and register today for the Educate for Life Homeschool Conference with Pam Tebow at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California on Friday, August 4th and Saturday, August 5th. Call us at 619-599-1104, 619-599-1104, or visit creationsd.org. That's creationsd.org. 